0: Welcome to 3&D, your source for great NBA talk from our spot here in the T dot. My name is Dave Levitt, that's the D. This week's three include the raps and a lack of bench depth. Is the switchable positionless basketball hurting the team? Second, is the draw situation now beyond saving? With Goran now on an undetermined leap of absence from the team, is it just time to cut bait and move on? And finally, which team is lurking in the weeds but will ultimately be a real contender? This week it is a three and me episode, so sit back, relax, and let me walk you through three big stories from around the association. Well, as we set off the top of the show, this is a three-and-me episode, so you get me talking to me. No, and it's really great, though. I, I'm happy to do this one because these are some of the things that have been itching my brain, uh, and I wanted to sort of just get them out. So here we go. The first topic I want to talk about, of course, is the Raptors and their home record, but specifically something we've noticed in the last couple of games, which is the lack of true depth on this team. So the Raptors starting five, typical starting five, is Precious Achua in the five, Precious or Chem. Uh, it seems like if Kem is healthy he'll probably take over the that center spot and have precious play against backups, which given precious performance precious performances here is probably right on brand um he has been up and down um he's been inconsistent most i think it's the word that coaches like to say but let 's just be honest he's had a couple of good flashes, but for the most part he's not disciplined enough to play with the starters and hang for thirty minutes he just he commits easy fouls he bites on fakes he His offensive game is um, developing, and I'm not saying that as a coaching word. It is developing, it is growing, but it's just not there to sort of help uh, match up with guys who are a lot more polished on the offensive end, like Fred, Gary Trent Jr., uh, OG, and uh, Pascal. So it's interesting because I think you have five guys who are probably starter quality, but those five pieces don't necessarily fit the five starting positions. So let me explain what I mean. If you have a starting five of Fred and, and Gary Trent Jr. in the backcourt, and then you have three spots left, you got four guys for three spots, right? Cam Birch is the obvious fit at center, and he matches up best with centers, better than Pascal. Putting Pascal at the five is a little bit um, tough, to be honest, If uh, depending on the matchups. But then you've got Scotty Barnes, um, who's proven himself to be definitely a starter uh, in this league. You know, leading rookies in points, rebounds, that kind of stuff puts you at the top of this. When you're the ROY leader, you're gonna you're gonna be the uh, uh, have to be in the starting five. But that means you got OG and Pascal for the four or five spots. Um, and again, I say I don't think Birch. I do not think Ken Birch is better than those either of those guys. But he is a better matchup starter. So you're likely going to end up taking one of those guys and sliding them into the second unit. Even if they all five start, you're probably going to slide. I'm guessing you probably slide a Scotty or, or a Gary Trent down into the second unit um, and have them anchor that because they can do, I mean, Scotty can kind of play a backup point guard as well, which also gets into the point of the positionless basketball. The team i constructed really, really wanted to be uh, a bunch of, as our friend Harrison Chu calls it, a bunch of long boys, 6'9", long boys. Um, realistically, the only people who have set positions are guys like Ken Birch, Precious Achua, as your as your five men, and uh, Malachi Flynn has to play point because we've seen that Malachi without the ball is not Malachi that you want necessarily on uh, on your team because he's not... He's not Fred Benfleet. As much as we like to, you know, make those comparisons and really, you know, he's good defensively. He's a little undersized. He can guard ones. But Fred is a better offensive player without the ball. Fred has basically played the last couple of seasons as a two guard um, opposite Kyle Lowry. And so Malachi Flynn, I think everyone was like, oh, he'll just slide in and do that job. It's not as easy, you know, and I think you have to have a skill set that Malachi is best better as a... With the ball in his hands, making decisions, running off screens, taking three-point shots. It's not his game yet. It's just not his game yet. But when I talk about the when we talk about the bench, we have to talk about, you know, who's coming in. So obviously, one of Kem or Precious, that's that's your big guy. Or either one of them, to be honest, coming in. Where does that leave Chris Boucher? Chris Boucher is a guy who he, he won a G-League MVP, he won a G-League. Um, defensive player of the year in the championship run. He showed a little flash, you know, the season that was the pandemic season that was cut short uh, with the bubble. He showed real flair. And then last season he kind of throwed, I think his ceiling, which is that he's an energy guy. He's good on the weak side defense. You can block a shot here or there. And when he's on, he can shoot the three pretty well. The problem is that's it when he's on. When he's off, when he's not there, it's just not there for him. And that's a problem for this team because Chris Boucher was expected to sort of give backup minutes and then compete with those guys. But I think realistically, Chris Boucher is gonna has played himself into a position where he's kind of out of the loop. Especially if you're going for this positionless basketball, especially if you're gonna, you know, have guys switches all the time. Chris Boucher cannot guard smaller players. He can't. It's it's proven. He cannot be left out on the perimeter to lock down a ball handler on a switch. And if I'm a team and he's on the floor, I'm targeting him on switches all day long because he just can't handle that stuff without committing fouls. And if your back line of defense is Precious Achua in those situations, then you know you've got two guys who really are easy to get into foul trouble. Just plain and simple. Um, I'm not saying Precious Achua is worse than Cam Birch or or... A, a, a lesser basketball player, I think Cam Birch has got this, the the thing that Cam Birch has got is he's got one a little bit more experience. He's been playing organized basketball longer. He's been playing the NBA basketball longer, and he just knows his role. I think Precious is still trying to show that he's got more to his game, and that's fine um, if that's where the Raptors want to go in terms of their their situation. Where it's like, listen, we're going to develop him, and, and we don't care about. W's, But as long as you have Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam who are in their prime, I think you're going to need that. So then we go down to the next position, which is, you know, like the 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 mushy middle, the non the non point guards. Right. And then you got a lot of guys competing for minutes, but not a lot of guys who are necessarily great producers. Svima Hailuk was uh, a revelation to Raptor fans, but if you watch Savima Hailuk when he played in Detroit or when he played last year with Oklahoma City, you know that he can get streaky and he can kind of shoot the, the ball and, and get some play. You know, I think that's why the Raptors like him. I think that's why a lot of fans were like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty good. But Svima Hailuk is not a volume scorer. He's not a microwave scorer. He's not a come in and I'm going to generate all this offense myself. He gets his shots in the in the flow of things and if he's you know, if he's a third look on on an on an offensive set, he can probably do okay. Third or fourth look, he's he's okay. And when we saw him when he started, he's he's not he's a nice player. He's he's fine, but he's you know, and is he upgrade over DeAndre Bembry, who he basically replaced? I would argue yeah, with this fit with this team. But if you're counting on high look to come in and, and microwave some points for you and get you going when the starters are down, you're in trouble. Same thing with Utah. Utah Watanabe has grown as a legend around here in Toronto. But let's be fair. Utah Watanabe's energy um, and hustle is is his calling card. It's not his big contributions in terms of the offensive side. It's his defensive contributions, his switchability, and the fact that this guy has a motor that just doesn't quit. I, lo- I love Utah. I I do. But again, if Utah Watanabe is playing 25 minutes a night as a key reserve on your team. Are you really a, a a a playoff and deep playoff run contender? I don't think so. I just don't. So the question I asked off the top was, is switch, switchable positionless bat approach hurting the bench? I think role, I don't think the problem, sorry, let me can, can be clear. I don't think that positionless basketball is a problem. I don't think that, you know, a bunch of guys who can switch and play two or three or four positions is a problem at all. I think role definition is lacking on this team. A young team needs roles. They need to know when they're going in. They need to know what their expectations are. And you almost need to simplify the playbook. It's like when you put in your backup quarterback in football. You need to make sure that you have a simple, fairly you know, easy approach and, you, and guys know what they're expected to do. Because if you're expected to be like, okay, we well want you to be able to play point guard, shooting guard, small forward all at the same time and be able to switch off and play on the on the offensive end, be able to, you know, know the responsibilities of all three of those positions. That's a lot for a lot of young guys who may not have had a you know a ton. I'm thinking about our rookies and our guys. Like Malachi played a couple of years in college and it's got one year of pro under his belt. Precious has got one year of pro under his belt and has played one year of college in basketball. Like these are this is not a lot of of time, not a lot of organized ball. Um even Scotty Barnes, you know, for all of our high IQ, high basketball IQ talk about him, Scotty Barnes still has trouble as well, with this as well. And that's that's to be expected. It's a young team. It's a bunch of young guys. But by having this positionless switch around, uh, this is what we want to do. This is high-level stuff. And I'm just not seeing, and I think we're all seeing, that the, the, the team needs a little bit more role definition and a little bit more, this is what you do, this is when you come in, a little more set which I know is antithetical to Nick Nurse and his creative style. I mean, there's room for creativity, but sometimes that you need to have lines, you know? Sometimes you need to have a border. And I think these guys, these players, really need it. Now, your starting unit, Gary Trent, is also a young guy, but he's figured out how to play his position really well. And he also knows his role. His role is to come in and shoot that ball. He is a scorer, and on the defensive end, he's a pass who shoots the gap and, and interrupts passing lanes. So I like a lot of the players on the team. I think that there's... um. A, obviously a maturation that has to come, but I also think it'll, that'll, that maturation will only come when they have a little bit more clear definition of roles. I didn't talk about Delano Banton. I didn't talk about um, now I'm blanking. Uh, Isaac Bonga. You know, those guys Those guys are going to get their spots. Banton's obviously going to get a bit more run because um, I think he's just a little further advanced than Bonga at this point, but you know, utilizing Delano Banton in that in that long, switchable body, you know, long arm, switchable body, switchable position, he's, he's going to be good. But he's an example of what this team has, which is a bunch of guys who are eager, and a bunch of guys who are, you know, I think very coachable. They look like they're they're, they're picking things up, but at the same time, it's just role definition. He clearly likes being a point guard. When he's not a ball handler, Banton has a little bit of more... A tendency to just fade, right? Um, and maybe that's just the, the, you know, the youth in them, um, in them, and they haven't had to play that, right? Like Banton has been a ball hand, primary ball handler probably for a long time. Malachi, uh, same thing. So when they have to play off the ball a bit and do a little the other things, we can't see them fade. They got to go in and do those other those other pieces. Speaking of guys who have faded away, let's go to topic number two, which is uh, Goran Drogic, the situation with him. It was announced, in case um, you may have missed it, he it was announced that he was taken in indefinitely from the team and he has full support of the organization behind him. Um, no further information was given. None. Of, no further information is required. Goran Dragis is no longer with the, the Toronto Raptors for the time being. Uh, it's a personal situation, and um, we all wish him well and whatever thing is going on there. However... This is the most important part of the question, in terms of the fans and the Raptors. Is this situation beyond saving now? Like Goran Rogic started off his situation after he got dealt here by saying to the Slovenian papers that he's got higher ambitions, so much so that the Raptors' broadcast um, partners, that Sportsnet, use that line in a promo, like that they have that the Raptors have higher ambitions, you know, than just competing. So, I mean. The point of this all comes down to: uh, Does Drogic uh, want to be here? We know he doesn't. We know when Dallas was in town, he spent you know more time talking to the Mavericks than he did to his teammates. He's only played a handful of games, and even and he started uh, for a little, a couple of those games, and he's just been you know, okay, he's fine. But uh, dude, going back to my previous point about the about the bench problems, if you had a committed Goran Drogic and a guy who could fully, you know, here, then I think he would be um, a, a, a boon to that bench. He would give that second unit someone to organize around. But he doesn't want to be here. And they don't really want him here. It's clear that he doesn't have a role on this team. So what are we doing? What, like, I'm not here to sit here and, and, and throw shade just to throw shade. And I'm certainly not here to throw... Um, Uh, information one way or another. Uh, But ultimately he's he's not long for this team and he shouldn't have been here in the first place. They should have found a way to reroute him. They should have found a way to move him on to, to Dallas. And when a guy doesn't want to be on the team and makes it clear that he doesn't want to be on the team. You can dress it up all you want. Oh, I was misquoted. Oh, I didn't mean what I said. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. You don't want to be part of this team. The team doesn't really have a need for you or, or a role for you. So what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing here? Now? I do think they're going to hold on to him. Uh, it's coming up. This episode will drop on Tuesday. The 7th of December, which is about just over a week from the NBA trade uh, floodgates opening. And I don't think you're going to see hundreds of deals not not that, but as of December 15th, for those um, who don't know, uh, all contracts uh, are tradable, even the contracts that were signed in the offseason. So rookies can be dealt uh, as well as uh, anyone who signed a free agent contract in the summer. So you think about that for just a minute, and that means that. Uh, Everybody on the roster is now eligible to be dealt. And with the lack of um, no trade clauses in the NBA, uh, I don't even know if LeBron has one. I think maybe he has one. I know Kobe did back in the day, but maybe LeBron still has one. I'm not sure. But basically, anybody can be dealt for anybody uh, as of December 15th. And it's clear that Dallas needs a little spark as well. Dallas is sitting uh, in the middle of the pack. Uh, of the Western Conference, not a great spot for them. They, um, they've they had trouble with Luka keeping him on the court. He's kind of some injury help. Uh, sorry, injuries, uh, and he needs some help. Um, I think Jalen Brunson is a really good pick, but I think if they have their choice, they'd like a little bit more experience, you know? I mean, ideally, like they'd like to keep Jalen Brunson and have guard Rogers and then you can roll out, you know, all kinds of different... Um, uh, small guard sets um for dallas and match and create a bit of matchup problems but i would look at dallas and i would say look they want to take raja but i don't know if they love the 19 million they're clearly they're they're waiting for the buyout there's not an easy way to retain salary in the nba in fact that's not it's not a thing you can do but you can um, mitigate and spread things around but in terms of uh, three-way trades and getting guys to move contracts and things like that but straight up, I think if you if if you're the Raptors, you're you have an open roster spot. You're at 14 after the Sam Decker thing, and now you've got two, so you can do a two for one. And I think they're really looking at Dwight Powell, the local kid, who can come back and be part of the 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 team and the promotion, and the fabric of all that. And then I also think that you're going to hear a lot of talk about a guy named Moses Brown. Moses Brown is a big bodied center. And again, basically what you do is you come in and bring him in to uh, give Precious some some run, you know, give him a a little bit of competition. I do think that ultimately Precious Achua's role on this team will be a bench player. I don't think he's a starter. Um, Moses Brown might be the same thing. Um, But, you know, you're just collecting assets at this point. And if you can get rid of Drogic, you can get something for him. Great. Uh, I, I... earlier talk was that it would be like Jalen Brunson and a couple other guys and all lined up, but you're not getting Jalen Brunson for a guy who's not even on your team, who doesn't even play. You're just not. So Dwight Powell, I think is someone that Dallas is not looking to move, but I don't think they're, they're against it. And Moses Brown isn't even playing anymore. So, you know, again, why not maximize assets to get a guy like Drogic if you can. That's if a trade even goes down at all, because the real possibility is that the rap is that, They'll negotiate. Drogic will say he's earning 19. He'll take uh, the equivalent of $10 million or $11 million payout, you know, his salary plus his other things. So, you know, that's just the way that goes. So, um, so long story short, uh, I do think that, uh, Dragic is not long for this team. And quite frankly, I think they kind of messed it up anyway. So, Let's move on to the final topic of this episode. Um, which team is lurking in the weeds, kind of in the middle of the pack, looking like they could be a real, real contender? Um, yeah. Let's take a look at the standings, shall we? So, when the, when we take a look at the the Western Conference of the NBA which has always sort of been the dominant. We look at the Suns and the Warriors, and I don't think anyone thought the Warriors were going to be this good. The Suns, right back where they're at, the Jazz look pretty good. Memphis is a surprising for at the four spot, but I mean I think they're going to come back down to earth. Uh, I don't see the Grizzlies as the fourth best team in the West. I just don't. Uh, another surprising team is the Timberwolves. I think they really do have a shot at the playoffs this year, which is crazy. Um you you've heard me refer to the Golden Girls, I mean the Lakers uh before, but I think the team that's sitting there that's surprising um it's 3 and 10 in this last 3 and 7 in its last 10 games. Although They did beat my beloved New York Knicks yesterday. It's those Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets team as uh as con- currently constituted. Yeah, they lost Michael Porter and I think that's going to be a problem. I do But if you can get him on LTIR and you can kind of get some kind of cap exemption, so you can get absorb a salary, I think they'll they're going to do it because they're going to push their chips in. When you have Nikola Jokic, you get Jamal Murray who's still off, but I think we'll be back a little later on. You've invested in Aaron Gordon. Um, You know, your team is not young. By you know, they're not old, but they're not the youngest team. I mean, you've got Austin Rivers and Monty Morris and Jamichael Green, and these guys are guys are all who are you know, not necessarily the youngest guys, you're going to want to push your chips in. And I think that Denver, especially if Jamal Murray comes back this season, I think I think that Denver's a team that's, you know, you're not going to want to play against and uh, try to match up with. The other team I really, really, I mean, look, I'm going to go a little biased here. Uh, completely, completely biased. I still think the New York Knicks are going to be a better team than they've shown this year. Right now they're 11-12. and 12. They're like, the game better than the Raptors and uh, and all the doom and gloom around the Raptors. But ultimately I think the New York Knicks are going to figure it out for two reasons. One, Tibbs doesn't lose. He just doesn't. Every time he goes somewhere, he, he wins. Um, And it's not just the short term thing, although that is uh, more his style. It's, uh, you know, he burns bright and fades away. But if you look at the team, like the teams that are above them, do you think that the Hawks are that much better than them? No. The Sixers probably when they figure out this this uh, damn Ben Simmons situation. Uh, Daryl Morey, FYI, you need to go and get this trade done now because if you don't, you're going to submarine a season that doesn't need to be. You have a good team in Philly. I like Philly. The Hornets, I think the Hornets are legit. I think they are right where they should be around that 8-7-8 spot where on the Celtics. I do think that they're a really good team. They're a very entertaining team. Um and then the Cavs are 13 and 10. I think they've oh, the Cavs have overproduced especially given the injury to um, uh, Sexton. Um I do think that they they're a good team. They're better than we thought. They're well coached for sure. But if you know Evan Mobley, Lori marketing and Ricky Rubio, this is you know Jared Allen like this is such a mishmash of, of, of pieces that I just don't see how it all works. Um, they have way too many power forwards um, and not nearly enough um, true scores. So, especially with Sexton out, I, I don't see Cleveland holding up like this. Um, I think the Bulls are legit. So on my pick in the Eastern Conference is the New York Knicks. I do think that they're better than the Celtics. I do think that they're better than Cleveland. I do think that they are right there with the Hornets in terms of being able to because the here's the thing, the Hornets don't play defense. They're very fun up and down team, but they haven't figured out the defensive side of things. Um, it's clear that they want to be Warriors-esque, you know, in their heyday. But the thing about the Warriors was they've always, no matter how great they were as an offensive team, and they were phenomenal and still are a phenomenal offensive team, they are locked in defensively in a way that the Hornets aren't. So I think once the Knicks figure it out, and let's be honest, I also have a feeling with all those contracts that the way the Knicks have, have um, constructed their their roster, they're primed for whoever's next. Kimber Walker is obviously going to be dealt. Uh, he's out of the rotation. He's done. They can move on for it. That's fine. Um, but guys like Mitchell Robinson, Manuel Quickly, even Evan Fournier, who's signed to a longer, bigger, bigger number, um, it's very easy to move. Kevin Knox is clearly someone I think that uh, a rebuilding team will take a take a flyer on. So I mean, I could see the New York Knicks going trying to get like a Terrence Ross for Kevin's Kevin Knox, Kevin Knox, and something will get you will get you Terrence Ross. Kevin Knox fits on the timeline a little better. You can kind of see what Jamal Mosley can do with him down in Orlando, and then you know the Knicks need a three uh, the Knicks and a three point shooter like uh, like Ross, someone who can come off the bench and just explode and get you some points. I could really see that happening, and that's not just wishful Knicks thinking. That's that's me thinking like logically. So I have the Knicks and the Rockets as two teams that are are definitely lurking around. you are going to be a lot more uh, in the mix when we talk about this again down the line. Uh, we're we are in December though, so I do want to give out a, a couple of little gifts. Uh, first, uh, let's give um, let's give the Indiana Pacers a little love. Yeah, they're three and seven in their last. Uh, ten. Uh, Rick Carla hasn't quite figured everything out, but the Pacers do not look like they are as bad as they were at the beginning of the season. They didn't look as disorganized. I think they just had to get used to the system. And if you tell me that Sabonis or Miles Turner is going to be dealt and they're going to get a call for it, I think you're going to see a Washington-like um, uh, addition by subtraction there. I don't think you have to hit a home run and get Miles Turner for you know another superstar because Miles Turner doesn't get you a superstar but if miles turner can can land you two players just based on salary and 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 position i think you're going to be okay same thing with sabonis i personally i would keep uh, DeMontis sabonis i would keep him over miles turner and i know that a lot, that's a bit sacrilegious and i may have actually said something opposite <laughs> earlier on this show but uh i've come around to the idea that you know uh having a guy like um Miles Turner is great if you are going to be competing for championship, which the Pacers are not. So he to me is a finishing piece, whereas the Sabon, Sabonis can still give you a lot and he just gives you a bit more, right? He just gives you a little more. So that's fine. Um so I gotta give up, you know, a gift to them a little congratulations. And then the Western conference, let's, you know, let's just give it up to our guys in uh Memphis. Uh, you know, John Morant went down, had that injury. They still keep rolling. They came in at a big, big win here in Toronto. Um, Dylan Brooks, the local kid, showed out, um, which is great. And I actually think this is the year that the Grizzlies finally get sort of seen and heard as a team that a lot of us on League Pass were like, oh, yeah, this is a good team. This, is a, this, is a, this, is a, this could be good. This, this team could be could be um, something to watch. John Morant, obviously, the human highlight. Um, underrated, most underrated move of the offseason has to go to them picking up Stephen Adams and getting rid of Valanciunas. Valanciunas is the better offensive player, maybe even the better um, overall player, but he wasn't the best fit with this team because a guy like him is really effective when he gets the ball and is able to operate a little bit in the low post. Steven Adams is a great complementary player, and now you're sort of seeing guys like Dylan Brooks, guys um, uh Jaron Jackson Jr., um, those guys are, are now really being able to, to be maximized because you've got someone like an Adams to anchor that defensive side of things, get a rebound. And Steven Adams is an incredible rebounder and throws the outlet pass and they can they can run the way they do. And they're a lot of fun and I think he unlocked something in that team that Valanciunas just wasn't able to do. Now, Valanciunas has been the one the thing that's, I think, keeping the Pelicans um, out of the basement Um, truly he's been, um, very, very good in in New Orleans, but again, you look at a team like that and he's just not necessarily, um, a game changer. Excuse me. And, um, yeah, so there we are. Those are my picks. Those are my gifts. And we'll talk to you again next week. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you so much to all of you, the listeners, for tuning in. If you like the show and you want to follow us, subscribe, whatever, you can do that on wherever you get your podcast. Spotify is a great spot for that. If you want to interact with the show, tell me how much you like the show, how much you dislike the show, how much I should be talking more about the Orlando magic. You go ahead and hit me up on Instagram at DLevitt, D-L-E-A-V-I-T-T, or... You can find me on Twitter at DLTO. That's DLTO on Twitter. That's it for this week. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again in seven days.